what's up with you? And when I defang the viper, trust me, ain't gonna come from nowhere. Jeff, I already put you out. I don't even know why you're out here right now. Keep on talking. Hey, 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 do me a favor. Why don't you act like this is an AA meeting and you shut your mouth while I'm sharing with the crew? And Mustafa, you out here, a boy among men. And I'm gonna tell you what. You got lucky at the Rumble, so I know you're gonna come out here and run your mouth about how bad you are. But let me give you a little bit of a reality check. You see, Mustafa, you said that my eyes don't lie. Well, your eyes don't lie either, because last week, they were closed real tight when I put your simple ass to sleep. And AJ, hey man, be honest with me. How's our old girl Wendy doing? Welcome back to the Clark Street Wrestling Podcast. It's me, Afis, and with me as always, Devin, and we have a special guest with us today, JD from the Wrestle Bread Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. You know, I'm over here in Philly, so I've been working from home this whole time, and so there's a lot of things that's going on outside the home, and it's just been a little crazy this week. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. You know, the election, as we Mm -hmm. speak, still trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm out. We're out here like I'm in the Chicago area. Devin's in the Chicago area, Indiana, Chicago area. So, you know, definitely. um, Yeah, we're all just anticipating and there's just so much stuff going on every, you know, different opinions and all that. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy out right now. So hopefully we get some kind of resolution to that, but we are here to talk wrestling. So yes. JD, let's let's start off with you because you know for our listeners here, we want them to get a sense of a little bit of who you are and and what uh, what got you into wrestling. And before we started, you were talking about that it's kind of a funny story of how you got into to wrestling. So not to not to hype it up too much and put you on the spot, but you know, I am really excited to hear about this, you know, and how funny this is. So, yeah, why don't you just tell us like how what what brought you into wrestling? So, I've been pretty much a tomboy most of my life. So, there's like there was zero anything girly about me growing up. I used to climb trees. I used to play sports. I would play like quarterback sometimes when I was younger too. So I had a lot of male cousins that I would spend the summers with. And one summer I was with them and they mentioned how there's, you know, there's a SummerSlam or something like that going on. And so they turned it on late. Now I'm into like Batman and, you know, Marvel and DC and things like that. If you wanted me to shut up when I was younger, all you had to do was put on the old school Batman and I'll be quiet for like two to three hours. <laughs> and I would even watch the 60s Batman. Adam West. Adam West. Yeah. So my cousin turned on the um, pay-per-view and the match that was on there was Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man. Mm. And my mind was just blown because I was like, this is real life. Like, oh, my gosh, it's superheroes, real life and things like that. <laughs> and I was like nine years old at the time. And ironically, the match after that was The Undertaker versus Kamala, I think it was. Mm. And seeing The Undertaker, like, of course, I was freaked out. But then I was intrigued because I was like, wow, he wears all black like Batman. So (laughs) (laughs) so it kind of like intrigued me. And then I um, went home and I started to watch other pay-per-views. And back then, you know, we had cable. But, you you know, I had what was called the chip back then. So you had every pay-per-view event, every channel for free. 
So I will watch oh, the pay-per-view. Oh, wow. You had the hookup. See, I had to watch the <laughs> scramble. Yeah. I had to watch the yeah. scramble so, back in the day. Just had yeah. to clear sound. <laughs> yep. So I will watch, you know, Raw. I will watch the pay-per-views. I will watch SmackDown when it started going. Mm. And, you know, I kept on watching it. My cousin stopped watching it after a while. But I've been pretty much watching it ever since then. I mean, there was a few periods where I wasn't really consistent watching it. But I've been watching it ever since then. Wow, that's a really cool story, man. I'm I'm jealous of you being able to see like all the pay-per-views <laughs> like that. Wow. For I remember real? like having friends and you know, friends of friends who would watch it and they would record it on VHS and let us mm-hmm. borrow it. Like there was specifically that kind of started with the ECW November to remember, you know, Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka, RVD, and some other people were on there. And I, you know, I, that was how sometimes I would get to see the pay per views. Literally, like, okay, mm-hmm. this dude taped it, cool, you know, gave it to me, cool. I was able to see it, um, you know. And then the, you know, the scrambled cable. Devin kind of brought mm-hmm. that up. Yeah. Yep. Shane McMahon versus Kurt Angle. I remember seeing that scrambled. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no lie, no lie. That's how it's hey fun. man. Just showing our age, but hey, that's how you had to do back in the day. Either you had the box or the chip, you had the hook right. up, or you had the, you know what? I got clear audio, but I just got to, you know, I just got to try to figure out what I'm seeing, though. Right, right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's interesting how how we all kind of get into wrestling. You know, it's funny because I was actually thinking about this for myself, too, and I, it's hard for me to really pinpoint, like, when I started. There was a couple of things that got me into it. One, I had the uh, action figures for Junkyard Dog and Hulk Hogan. Like that was my earliest mm. memory is just having those action figures. Um, and then later on in life, because I would see it every once in a while on cable, but I couldn't consider myself like a hardcore fan at that time. And then growing up, I can remember there was, there was two things that really got me. One is when I saw Hulk Hogan on TV as a bad guy. And I was like, what, what am I watching? What is this? And then I found out about the WCW versus NWO video game. And I'm saying, okay, mm. I got that on super, I think, was it? No, N64. N64. Yeah. yeah. I had it on 64 and I played that and, I, and I'm like, oh my God, like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and what is going on? You know, like all these guys from WWF, you know, now here in WCW in this thing called NWO and they're spray painting stuff. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> and then, then Sting looked like the crow and I'm like, okay, this is mind blowing. Like I didn't know what was, so that was, that was crazy. And, then, and for me too, I was thinking, all right, so on the WWE side, the, what got me into that was actually DX versus the nation and like those two factions mm. like going at each other and me and my brother would just be like wow this is this is wild like what are we watching and then I was hooked that was it that was it for me <laughs> so like as a hardcore fan I don't know knowing you were going to be on here and I was thinking like okay I'm going to ask JD like how you know how you got in but then I was thinking how man like I've never really said on this show like how I got into it too and I started yeah. tracking back and I'm like this is hard. But then thinking about it, I'm like, wow, this is kinda, <laughs> it's interesting to think of what gets everybody in the wrestling. So exactly. Yeah. I'm always interested to hear everybody's story. It's always interesting. Like yeah. we had a couple of guests on the show. I think Joey Lishies, he's mentioned, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan going against uh, who you mentioned. I think it was not Kamala. Uh, the, uh, I, I, the Iron Sheik. Mm. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so he was talking about 1983, that WrestleMania match. That got him into wrestling right there. So for me, it, was, it wasn't it was real early in my age because I was just watching it like you, Hafiz, just here and there. You know, I would see, I would see Hulk Hogan. I would see Ultimate Warrior. I see Macho Man. I, I would love Macho Man's, you know, promos, the teacup promo. Always, I always... <laughs> 
love this voice. So animated characters, animated, but it I wasn't hardcore. But it didn't yeah. happen until oh until I got became a teenager, like 11, 12, 13. And who is this guy Stone Cold? And you know, he can he, he's towing the line between good and evil. He can see he's doing what he wants. He's beating up on, on his boss. Uh I remember he had this crazy WrestleMania match with Bret Hart when mm-hmm. the uh the you know when he went from heel to face and Bret Hart went from face to heel, one of the best stories for me. In, in wrestling so and that's what that's right there that's what got me into wrestling right there yeah it's it's wild it's wild yeah. it's just so many different memories that that wrestling has given everybody to just get get be hooked it's just so interesting to hear that you know those stories sometimes it's crazy but going back to you jd so right now with with wrestling like you know we we're talking a little bit about old school wrestling and, and a lot of times we have people on here i like to ask like, how do you, like, over time and maybe not over time, but just in general, how do you compare, like, old school wrestling to wrestling now? Like, do you, has your, you know, I say, I guess the general thought, like, are you kind of, because a lot of people we bring on, they're kind of down on wrestling today versus how it was back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. just a different vibe overall. Where Where do you stand with that? Well, I think that I like the fact that it has evolved from what we used to watch. Um, when I was doing the recaps of a lot of the classic Holly, um, Halloween Havocs, I noticed that a lot of the moves back then that were like, you know, oh, my goodness, he just did a DDT. It's something that's just very regular mm-hmm. now. And, you know, it's interesting. I was watching the match of um, Lex Luger versus Brian Pillman. And Brian Pillman was considered a high flyer back then. And a lot of the moves that he were doing that was considered high flying is just like basic moves that you see pretty much anyone do nowadays. And so I like the, it has evolved and it evolved with the times. So if, you know, uh, wrestling, I always felt as though wrestling back then fit the time period back then. When it went to the attitude era, it fit the time period back then. And now with today's wrestling, um, I like the fact that it's more diverse. Back in the day, you were mm-hmm. loyal to just one company, and I would watch nothing. I used to watch nothing but WWE. Even when WCW wasn't around, I was just so loyal to WWE that I knew of WCW. I knew, you know, different wrestlers that was in WCW. I caught like a little bit of things in WCW, but you know, it was always either watch WWE or you watch WCW. But now in today's wrestling, there's a lot more options. There's Ring of Honor, there's AEW, there's um, New Japan, there's Impact. And it's not that you can only stick to one company, that each different, each company has its own advantages, you know, things that you like about it, things that you don't like about it. So I like how uh, much more involved that, wrestling is now and how it is even though a lot of people look down on it everybody people always look down on wrestling you know me growing up it was uh, hard for as like a woman and especially in the community to be such a fan of wrestling even today I have people be like you still watch wrestling so yeah people always look down at wrestling it's just more Um, acceptable within, you know, the community of wrestling fans to be, even though it's very polarizing between AEW and WWE, but it's a lot more accepting to be a fan of different companies than it was back then. 
I got a question for you, you know, since you was talking about how wrestling evolved. Now, mm-hmm. since you, wrestling has evolved more of a faster pace, more high flying now, you feel the art of the, the character has has been, has gotten lost within that transition? Like, say for, yeah, for, for example, like Ricochet, awesome wrestler, great wrestler, mm-hmm. but we're we're still trying to figure him out, you know, not promo wise, character wise, and I feel like he he could he can definitely take a huge step, but you know I feel like you know his his, char- his character is what's limit him right now. Yeah, and I think the reason of that is because of what we went through in the Attitude Era. I know a lot of people always talk about you know the blood and everything like that, but the biggest thing about the Attitude Era was the creative control. Everyone, whoever you were, you people are a hundred percent into who they were. You know, Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H. A lot of people back then they had creative control of who they were. And when you are in control of who you are as a gimmick, it's a lot more believable. It's more authentic. And I think the what's going on now is that you know, especially with WWE, a lot of their creative is telling people, "This is who you're going to be. This is who you are." And it, sometimes it conflicts with people. I mean, look at what's going on with Alexa Bliss. She's a horror fan. And now with this gimmick that she's in, it's like it was made for her. She right. works it very perfectly because right. she has a connection to it. And so back then, you know, a lot of the wrestlers had a lot more connection with who they were versus what it is now. You know, it's a lot more it's a lot more being an actor nowadays than it was back then where it was basically people using their imagination yeah i mean you know as you were talking i was thinking of a guy like cm punk and when he would talk about like ripping up you know whatever ideas they had for him he's like no i'm not saying this this is stupid yeah like this isn't what i would say you know so yeah to your point that creative control you know like AEW, it seems like they're allowing those those wrestlers those stars to just you know, kind of like come up with their ideas and just kind of roll with it. At least from the outside, it kind of looks like that mm-hmm. uh, more so than WWE. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. I agree with you there. Um, I guess kind of a, a general question right now, too. Uh, right now in today's wrestling, who would you consider your your favorite wrestler to watch? Right now, it would be Roman Reigns. Mm. And five mm. years ago, I would never have said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> five years ago, I always said that he's not an underdog. And they tried to, he's basically an example of what I'm talking about. Mm. They tried to push him as an underdog. And that's something that doesn't fit him. He doesn't have the look. When you look at someone who's that tall, who has that type of look, who has that, you know, the per, you know, the spear and things like that. That's not the type of person who would be an underdog. You know, that's someone who would be basically what um, Paul Heyman always said, a Samoan badass. And so who he is now, it's a lot more believable because, you know, he is the head of the family. He's been having to carry, you know, the championship and be at the top of the game for so many years that he's able to easily connect with that type of persona than it is the underdog and trying to be like a good guy and things like that so right now it's roman reigns what about all time close second it'll be the fiend oh okay okay i like that i like (laughs) that what about really uh, go ahead i was about to say even with all you know the troubles in the beginning with the fiend you know with the hell in a cell match with seth rollins and just the way they they keep on putting him in this story with with the top no put him in in these title matches too so even with that Mm -hmm. that's like okay 
Interesting. Yeah, because that's that's booking. That's something that is kind of out of his control. And you can yeah. see where he is able to have some type of control with, you know, his promos and things like that. Because he's always been a really good talker, yeah. even before, back when he was the white family. He's always been a good talker. But, you know, the way they're booking him and the Hell in a Cell matches and the titles and things like that. When he won the title, it was more Bray Wyatt that was celebrating having the title than it was The Fiend. So he kind of tried to clean it up a little bit. But I like the fact that he, you know, even what has been going, what kind of is going against him, especially with that title reign, that he's been doing his best to try to make things work. Mm. Right now, it looks like he's about to get back into the title picture. And one thing that we talk about a lot is, you know, it almost seems like, you know, that that is whenever he's chasing the title, whenever it's the title pictures in there, that story I'm not as interested in Um, more. So like I like the fiend. I think of the fiend as like this special attraction, like just. Almost like when uh, with Finn Balor and the Demon, you know, with that character, like yeah. in, in big matches, big moments, like when he would bring out the Demon, it was like, oh, and you wouldn't even know sometimes. It'd just be like, oh, Finn Balor against such and such. And then you start, you see the lights, it's like, do, 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 do. And you're like, oh, yes. this is going to be the Demon. And then just the pop happens. So I feel like the Fiend in that way would be cool to just like every once in a while. And then the, the title. So So how do you feel about, and I think you were kind of alluding to it, but like the, the the fiend in the title picture, like how do you feel like they that's going and how do you feel like they should deal with that? Well, I mentioned it in my podcast that it doesn't make sense for the fiend to go after the title because the fiend is all about chaos and getting mm-hmm. revenge for Bray Wyatt. So it kind of makes sense for him to go after Randy Orton because of what happened with the House of Horrors and everything like that. But it doesn't really make sense for him to go after the title. When he was going after the title the first time, I felt as though the Fiend should get disqualified by, you know, just, you know, constantly attacking, 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 not really, you know, thinking about the rules or anything like that. And but it, it kind of like I said, it kind of worked because Bray Wyatt was celebrating the win and that, you know, look what look what I got. I got a new toy. It was like very playful with it. So I don't really like the fact that he's in the title picture. But I understand of him going after Randy Orton. Right. So I, I just want to let you know too, full disclosure, you're 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 a special guest as well because you know we we had to break up this boys' club. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you're not only your uh, your great amazing you know podcast host, but you are definitely uh, the the first female guest we ever had too. And so oh, good. It, yeah, yeah, we definitely needed to to, to diversify. so how do you feel about so how do you feel about AEW you know uh women's division right now like where where do you think they're heading like if you let's let's use Thunder Rosa for example if Mm -hmm. if she if she become a free agent like if you was her what would you do would you go to AEW or would you go to WWE like even though it's more scripted but look, look, look how they're handling the women over there. Though it, it's, it's like they're on the main stage, bright lights. Sometimes I'm looking more forward to the women matches than the male matches. Even the segments, it doesn't matter. The women are doing it better. So uh, that's my question. Like, if you were Thunder Rosa, like, what direction? W- w- where would you go? Well, for Thunder Rosa, WWE doesn't really need her. AEW definitely needs her. AEW mm-hmm. is definitely missing a woman that can definitely, you know, put the put the women's matches on another level. 
And I don't know if it's a lack of trust in their women's division because mm. you can't really say talent because Trish Stratus wasn't talented when she first came in. Right. You know, it took her a little bit to get things going and then look what she became. So I don't know if it's a lack of trust with the back office with their women or they're just so concentrated on the male division and the tag team division that the women's division kind of went to the side. I think that, you know, they should definitely get maybe some type of outside help or something like that. I know Brandy is in control of the women's division, but she's kind of been inserting herself in the women's division. Yes. And because of that, I feel like she's not really putting a lot of focus on a lot of the other women. One of the biggest things I felt that they definitely messed up on was when they had that women's um, tournament mm. that it was being featured on YouTube yes. instead yeah, of their yes. main uh, show, especially the finals. Yeah, missed They definitely missed the opportunity. Yeah. And I always say that the, the one of my biggest issues with AEW is that it kind of comes off as like Cody and friends. They're, <laughs> they're, you know, taking care of their own, but they're also bringing in, you know, people from WWE to kind of help build up the division instead of creating their own stars, you know, MJF and Darby Allen and a lot Sky, of different yeah. people who we never yeah. knew about, you know, there's a lot of wrestlers in AEW that I didn't know about before, you know, watching, especially if you're someone who watches WWE, people who don't really watch the indies like that. Now people know MJF, people know about Darby, people know about Orange Cassidy and things like that. And especially with the women's division, I feel as though if they just give the women, you know, enough time to shine, you know, even what they were doing with um, YouTube, when they were doing a lot of the role to such and such, they were introducing a lot of their wrestlers. They should do something like that with the women's division so that you get to know the women. Maybe you can see a bit of highlights of uh, what they did beforehand. Just try to, you know, I think it's a matter of us knowing who the wrestlers are and actually giving us a reason to care about them. So if I was Thunder Rosa, I would probably go to AEW because she has the talent, but she also has enough star power to help them out. And, you know, her match against her and um, Sheeta was widely watched. A lot of people are saying it was such match. a good match, yeah. one of it, their it was best women's night. matches, yeah. you know, since the start. And I feel as though for someone like that, they should definitely use her to say, hey, be a leader, you know, with our women's division, help us, you know, grow. Well, not really grow because they have enough women. We see that on AEW Dark. Oh, yeah. They have enough women in their division. It's that they have to give enough trust to them or something like that. It's like it's something missing with that women's division. If Thunder Rose was to go to WWE in the main roster, truthfully, she would be not in existence because one of the biggest problems with, in my opinion, with the main roster in WWE is that they don't know how to concentrate on multiple women's storylines. Mm. Um, biggest example was when Ronda Rousey was in WWE. They yeah. put so much concentration with Ronda one. Rousey yeah. that a lot of the other women got put to the side. Yeah. And then recently with Bailey and Sasha Banks, they put so much concentration on them too that a lot of other women kind of got put to the side. Yeah. And then if she goes to NXT, well, NXT have enough women to really, you know, carry the division, carry even the show or even a takeover by themselves. And so she would have this, she would be, you know, she would fit with NXT, but it's not that she would be needed. She should go somewhere where she would be needed. And she has the opportunity to be a leader because she's been in the game for a while. And so she could definitely help the other women, you know, 
get more trust in the ring, you know, think of different ways to um, build the matches and storylines and things like that. Yeah, I, I, man, that's, that's something, the, the Thunder Rosa situation, like I'm such a big fan of hers. Like I just, I just want mm-hmm. her to end up in a, in a great situation. I think uh, AEW, just more than anything, I feel like AEW needs her. Like you said, like WWE, yeah. NXT, they don't, they don't need her. Like AEW needs her. Like she, that, mm-hmm. that match with Sheeta really was just like, when I was watching, I'm like, yes, like, this is what needs to be happening like they need a series of matches i want like a best of seven like just something cool like that with these two and then from there kind of like you know like have like mix it up with other people but use use thunder rosa as like the a big building block for that women's division as as Um, the catalyst mm -hmm. yeah it just would make so much sense so yeah yeah, well, man, let's let's um, you know, I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation, and I think yeah. at this point we'll just segue <laughs> into some of the stuff going on, you know, right now in in uh, in wrestling with like you know Survivor Series and all that, and let's let's start it off there in terms of the road to Survivor Series right now. So we we just had a Raw that was kind of interesting leading into it. Um, right now, how are we feeling about Survivor Series in general? Like going into it, are we are, are we excited? Because this time last year. I was very excited about Survivor Series. We had Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. Like NXT was the part of this that really made it exciting. And now it's like, okay, it's almost like that didn't happen. And it's going Mm -hmm. back to Raw versus SmackDown. You got champions versus champions, which is cool. But I don't know. Like I'm 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 not me personally, I'll just say where I'm feeling. Like I'm not I'm I'm a little bit disappointed because we had that last year and now we're not going to that. It's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, this should be a tradition. Like, make it a third (laughs) brand already and at least for Survivor Series, have NXT be a part of it. So, I don't know. What are you guys at with this? Now, go ahead. Well, I think that that's what made it exciting was NXT and you had a lot of unique matchups that we would never get because of NXT. I mean, the Survivor Series this year is a little bit interesting because we'll get some type of matchups. But in my opinion, with the whole Raw and SmackDown, it don't really make that much sense because we just had a draft. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you got to convince me that AJ Styles, <laughs> who's been on SmackDown for so long, is now going to, you yeah, know, yeah, ride yeah. and die for the Raw brand. So he made it somewhat believable on Raw, though. It was it was interesting. Exactly. <laughs> but but to, to Danny's point, yeah, I mean, just uh, a little while ago, he was the the face that ran the place on SmackDown. I expected exactly. his show. He built it. Yeah. Now he's going to raw. Exactly. Yeah, I believe Red, and I mm, I don't know about all that. I believe he <laughs> exactly. wants to be the leader of a team and have that spotlight on him for sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, the whole like loyalty to one show versus the other it's kind of lost in this too that that's a great point yeah and it made sense last year because you had nxt so everybody was like there's these newbies these rookies that's trying to come and show up both of us so it was a lot of you know raw and smackdown going against nxt which kind of makes more sense because you know with the draft and everything like that it's kind of hard to accept that someone's you know loyal to a brand but if you have the rookies coming up and trying to show you up, then, you know, it makes it a lot more exciting because we had matchups that, you know, we wouldn't ever had had gotten. Yeah. Yeah. Devin, where you stand on this? So the last two Survivor Series was was on point because mm-hmm. even the one before the influx of NXT, this was like the coming of age of Becky, that whole build towards Survivor mm-hmm. Series, mm-hmm. you know, her getting 
knocked out, not knocked out, but her getting hit in the nose by Nia. Oh, yeah. You know, right, that whole blood scene, her walking out, coming, invading Raw. I love that, the whole invasion angle. That was good. And then the following year, we get a whole NXT build. You know, you we get mm-hmm. these matches we never seen before. We got Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. And they had like a classic on, on SmackDown on Fox, and that was great. And you see like a a DX invasion, but it was NXT. You got Leo Rush like on the top of the hood, just yeah. ready to go. And it was like, <laughs> it was like deep, like ready to go. <laughs> ready to yeah. mess up, man. Right. So I was like, oh shit. So I'm ready. This year, I'm like, I mean, whatever. You know, okay. Let's, let's just get this over with, man. Cause this is just, you know, it, it feel like this is. We always talk about canon and non-canon. <laughs> this, this, you know, when it comes to like the anime shows, this feel right here is the perfect example. This, this is like this it is feels not, non-canon. Not canon. Oh, non-canon. Yeah. It's not part of a, any type of storyline. This feel like we're just, you know, the best of the best. Yeah, and they had this, this, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to get a tagline: "Best of the best." You know, so, so well, it, we know Raw's gonna win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we said that part again. Raw is going to win. I said we know Raw is going to win. Mm, okay, okay. I hadn't even really thought. I, I'm so not invested in like the Raw versus SmackDown angle of it that I was even cracking <laughs> like, oh, they would win versus. I'm just like, ah, I just don't. You know, my my whole thing now is looking at okay, which one of these champions are potentially not going to be champion going into Survivor Series because usually mm-hmm. there's always some kind of switch up. Whereas like AJ Styles was going to go against Brock Lesnar and then it ended up being Daniel Bryan beat him for the title right before. Like, I guess yeah. I'm kind of more anticipating yeah. that happening versus the the team up, the 10 man tag. Like, like, I don't even care on the women's side, too. It's like, OK, fine. But, you know, for me, it's like, OK, will, for instance, the Hurt Business get the tag team titles before, you know, and, and switch it up and go against the Street Profits instead? Would mm-hmm. Drew actually get the belt off of randy orton to make it drew versus roman a matchup that a lot of people wanted in the first place um there's certain ones where i'm like well bobby lashley will there be some shock that happens and they try to put over ali in retribution and have ali steal the title from bobby lashley somehow like something's got to happen to make this more interesting i don't know where, where are you guys on on that and like the, the the swap potentially of one of these one of these uh champions well it's not really much that they can do to kind of make it interesting. Um, I mean, the only interesting matchup champion versus champion I had was the Street Profits versus the New Day. I don't think we had that type of feud happen before. And then the potential of Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns and everything like that. I mean, that's pretty much the most interesting matchups when they do these type of things is the champion versus champion. Because a lot of times we'll get matchups that we wouldn't see. I remember everybody was hyped that it would potentially have been last year, Brock Lesnar, Adam Cole, and AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had switched it all up and made it, um, made Adam Cole stay clearly away from that matchup. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, this regular human being doesn't need to be in this match with some monsters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and then when it comes to the, the 10 on 10, like so far, it's not really... Um, especially with the women, it's not as interesting that, um, that I'm not like as excited for the 5v5. And I remember that we used to be like the biggest thing when it came to Survivor Series was the 5v5 because you had people on teams that would never be on teams. You had people going against people who had never went against uh, people. 
and it just made it a lot more exciting. But it just feels like, you know, we're going through the motions right now for this pay-per-view. Yeah. No, I, I think the last traditional Survivor Series match we ever had, I think I want to say that worked for me story-wise is when the authority was trying to take over and then John Cena and, and uh, Dolph Ziggler. And I think Dolph Ziggler mm-hmm. came out winning because John Cena wild. got, yeah, he got eliminated. We was like, what? Yeah. And then Dolph, we all cheering for Dolph, like, come on, man, you can do it, you can do it. And I think he had to eliminate three. It was like three, three v one, and mm-hmm. he ended up pulling an upset. And it was like one of the biggest stories. And I think I thought, oh man, he, they're gonna, he's gonna be booked like to the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and, I, and I'm thinking like, okay, we have this awesome faction right now with the Hurt Business and somewhat, you know, retribution is retribution, but at least we can do a, a five on, or a four on five or four on four or a five on five. It doesn't matter, but some type of traditional Survivor Series match though. Yeah, I, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, this right now, it seems like we're just going to get the, the Team Raw versus Team SmackDown because they basically did the retribution versus uh, the hurt business angle on raw already. So that's, that's pretty much dead. I mean, Bobby Lashley buried that team already. So I think that's kind of done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I speaking of them to switch it up a little bit, let's, let's stay on retribution a little bit. Cause Ali is saying, Hey, he's going to try and, and bring them back, you know? And then they had the angle with uh, ricochet and Tucker, which that's a whole nother story in of itself. What the I hell? Thought was was, I, thought it was, I thought it was a jobber at first. And now it's dude. like, oh, Tucky? <laughs> Tuck, Tucky, Tucky, dude. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which real quick, my, my prediction of him, and I hate to predict someone being like released or whatever, but he's he's on the, the road to getting released because he, he turned on Otis. They're not even mentioning that. He gets buried by Ricochet. Yep. He, he's unrecognizable. I'm telling you, he's going to be on main event. And then that's gonna be it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just that's crazy. It. Like that's a tag team you just destroyed for nothing. Anyway, so that that's just my little quick rant on that. But um, retribution. So they jump Ricochet. Now, do we see any chance of them redeeming, saving this angle with Ali trying to give it one last go with this crew? <laughs> he tried. He he cut a promo. Uh, Ali had caught a promo explaining why he gave the names in the mask. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we kind of played into it that he did it purposely so that we can make fun of their names. We can make fun of the way they look so that they could understand what he's been going through. And I was like, well, that makes sense. You know, they're trying to salvage it. And now they got me again, you know, trying to go after the title. But I was like, I don't know how successful that's going to be. But I feel as though they made the mistake from the get-go by, you know, They were making this as sort of a team that's trying to destroy WWE and then they signed them and then they get drafted and they're giving them title shots and stuff like that. And I was like, this doesn't make any type of sense. And, you know, of course, people making comparisons between them and the Dark Order and everything like that. This ain't nothing like Dark Order. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like it was it was dead in the water from the get go. And whenever, you know, something hits a low point, it's very rare that, you know, you can really make anything out of it. It's very rare. So I commend, you know, Ali from trying to make something into it, but I feel as though eventually it's just going to die out, which is a shame because these are NXT stars that actually have talent, you know, 
And this is how they're being presented to the casuals. People who don't really watch NXT, they're going to, you know, see Shane Thorne, they're going to think Slapjack, <laughs> yep. you know? Yep. They're going to think me again, reckoning with the, uh, whatever it was, the seizure or whatever she, she was said doing it, she said it was in possession. the middle of the ring. <laughs> She said it was possession. I, I, it took, I, I think we mentioned this on a podcast. I said, how would she know that she's possessed? <laughs> like, she yeah. said she was possessed. She put on the Twitter like it wasn't, uh, I wasn't going through uh, epilepsy or nothing like that. I was going through possession. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't make it. You shouldn't make it any obvious, you know? And it's like, it's things that they're doing that they could have they could have done something better. If they wanted her to interfere in the match, she could have did something else. You know, she should have attacked someone. Now everybody's going to think of her as a joke. You know, people are thinking retribution as a joke when they could have been a heck of a lot more. They could have been, you know, a 2020 version of Nexus or mm. even NWO, really. Especially once uh, Mustafa Ali had joined, you know, people had... People got had some type of hope because they was like, okay, you know, we're there's a change of pace. I'm a little more excited about it. And then, you know, what happened with when they went against the Hurt Business, um, they quickly got eliminated. It was Mustafa Ali left. He runs, and I'm sitting here like, well, where's the 20 other people that send retribution? <laughs> yeah. Where are they at? Why are you not saving your leader? So <laughs> it's just been a mess, and I don't know where they're gonna go from here. And like I always say, whenever I talk bad about something. I always hope that they're going to prove me wrong. So I'm yeah. hoping that I'm proven wrong by retribution that will turn around just like Roman Reigns and say, wow, you know, who would have thought, thought that this would have turned into Tribal that? Chief. Tribal <laughs> Chief. <laughs> I, think, I think there's only one way that you can repair retribution is they, all right, you, you have them in, in the ring, they're kicking off a promo. It's Ali speaking, but He's, he's taking the mask off. He's introducing them as their regular name. He gives them a highlight. Mm -hmm. Look what they, like, this is what they do. This is why I have them on a team. And then he introduced them now as, like, whatever team. Like, we're no longer Retribution. We're whatever new name now. Like, we've got to evolve mm -hmm. this now. That's the only way we can repair it is to evolve it. I mean, you know, I think that's that's a good idea, too. And honestly, I think it's as simple as and I, I kind of alluded to it. And I, I, I don't believe this is going to happen. But Ali somehow taking that United States championship off of Bobby Lashley. I feel like that would be one because of how hot Bobby Lashley is right now. And he just looks unstoppable. If somehow, some way he's able to orchestrate, whether it's, you know, with interference, whatever, I don't care how he gets it. But for him to do that to to because everyone is ex fully expecting not only for bobby to still be champion but bobby to destroy Sami Zayn. so that just that match is like mm -hmm. a wrap already it hadn't happened yet but for ali somehow to say okay you know i'm gonna do, do, i'm gonna do something major and i'm gonna change the game like you got you need to to put over this group he needs a championship he needs a title he needs something to say hey you know like yeah. Yeah, this is this is this is this is serious. Like this group can be taken seriously, and look, we got gold now. So I don't know. I feel like that would be something for me. Where if I would see it, I'd be I'd be shocked, and I'd be like, mm -hmm. okay, the the company's investing more. You know, Ali's got some gold finally. Like that'd be amazing for Ali to be a champion now in WWE. Like it would give it would make me give them a second look and say, okay, now let's see where they go from here. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they got they got some work to do for sure to. 
I like that idea. I, I like that idea because I think that's that's another good way that how they can repair it is Ali to get that belt because Bobby is a beast, bro. Nobody wants to wrestle. Our truth wasn't trying to wrestle him on on Monday Night Raw. He's like, bro, come on, man, come on. I thought Bobby McKay was going to sign my cup. Right. <laughs> what? It's Bobby oh, man. I, I just love our truth. I just love him. You know, he just makes me laugh. And then, yeah, he wasn't trying to get beat up. He was like, uh, Bobby's like, get up, man. I'm trying to put you in the in the lock. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so funny. He like, yeah, he's like, man, get up. This. We didn't even do this, dog. Look, look, look. I'm going to just lay down, man. Stop playing. I'm going to lay down. He's like, get up. I'm going to put you in the hurt lock. Get up. It's like, no, man, we got to do that. <laughs> like, what is happening? Truth is so funny, man. I love that. He is funny. He is, yeah. he is man. Uh-huh. And, but Bobby is a beast, man. So if he, if Ali somehow get that title off, that, yeah, that, that definitely will repair Retribution, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. All right, let, let's talk about, you You mentioned it earlier, J.D., um, Alexa Bliss and The Fiend in just like this this run that they've been on. So on this episode, you know, we saw the Firefly Funhouse. And I feel like one thing that that I'm noticing is that the chemistry between Alexa Bliss and The Fiend is growing. You know, and they seem to be playing off of each other better and better each time. Like, you know, at first I was like, how is this going to go? And then Alexa just seems to be having a lot of fun. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, The Fiend's doing his thing. When you put them together, I'm like, how is this going to go? And I just see them, you know, I like what I'm seeing from them um, all together, just like the way they're teaming up. Um, in this one, there was this mm-hmm. this weird, crazy effect of, you know, Fiend. Well, Alexa Bliss says, hey, I learned, I'm, I'm working on a new trick or something like that. And she closes her eyes and, and Bray Wyatt, you know, puts his hand, the heel hand over her forehead. She closes her eyes. She opens her eyes. It's the contact lenses. And then there's the mm-hmm. red blood mucus thing. I was like, what are we, what is this? They cut away. I was freaked <laughs> out. I was like, oh man, I don't know. Like if they keep on going with this, I don't know. And then later on, we saw Alexa, you know, in the back, Nikki Cross is walking backstage. Uh, Nikki saying, you know, it, it's not like you to let someone control you like this. It's the fiend doing this to you, isn't it? Look at me. Look at me. And then, you know, she turns her around. She's the contact lens. Alexa Bliss look crazy. So to me, I feel like this, this pairing right here is just like it's it's growing in, in, a, in a positive direction. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, the whole thing with Randy is, is what it is. But I just feel like, you know, my focus on it when I was watching this past Raw was more like, wow, these two, like, this is this is I want this for the long haul. Like, you know, I, I want them to just keep going with this, keep keep building this because it's just so entertaining. So and, and Alexa, like, it's just so great for her to just be in a spot like this where she's she's changing her character a lot from where she was before. Mm-hmm. You know, when she first yeah. started NXT, it was kind of like this, like cheerleader kind of character. And then, you know, yeah. later on, she was like getting more confident and she became a multi time champion. But now she's evolving again into this like mm-hmm. like you said this, this the horror fan that she is she's able to apply that to her character she's got the the pain and play gloves she's like yes. she's fun <laughs> I, I just mm-hmm. i'm having fun with it and like so again jd just I, I guess speak to like what you saw on raw and like how that you know affected you or what what you were seeing there too well i was seeing that she is slowly turning into her own version of the fiend. Mm. And what I was hoping for, you know, when she 
um, started to get affected by the fiend was for her to turn into some type of not exactly a Harley Quinn, but like a fem a female um, counterpart to the fiend. Not exactly like the fiend, but a sort of like a dedicated follower. So with her evolving her character again, she's been the twisted list for a very long time, and you know it was getting a bit stale, especially since she turned yeah. face and. You know, with her and Nikki Cross, it just wasn't really, it wasn't really fitting her um, uh, like that anymore. So now that she is turning to whatever this new character is, like I said, it's definitely fitting her. She, you could tell like she's having fun with it. She's very comfortable and like her acting with it is just phenomenal. You know, she Definitely is doing a lot of the fiend moves. I mean, everybody freaked out when she did the Sister Abigail, <laughs> and she did it perfectly. Yeah. So <laughs> she did it perfectly. So you know, this character that she's turning into, it kind of draws you in because you want more and you want to know what's happening next. Like you know, we see her eyes starting to change. You know, she had the the tongue or the mucus thing coming out, and it's like, what is that? And it makes you want to tune in to next week, which is something that. You know, WWE wants for the main roster. You know, you want us to see what happened on Raw, and they want to tune in next week to Raw because you know they're going to get against Monday Night Football. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you want us to kind of want to tune in next week, and you want us to, especially the fact that it's Raw versus SmackDown. You know, SmackDown is a lot easier to draw in the fans because it's Friday. Yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. really have that much competition. But with Mondays, you know, you'll have football, you'll have basketball sometimes. So, you know, you want, you really want us to tune in for next week, especially after, you know, seeing Raw for three hours. So what they're doing with her, it like, it's really a very good thing because she's believing in her character and the horror fan, like I had said earlier that she is, you know, she's taking a lot of inspiration from different, you can see that she's taking inspiration from different movies and you know is acting it out there was the um part when she was in the ring when randy orton and drew mcintyre was fighting each other and she was sitting on top of the turnbuckle pointing and laughing and things like that um she was dressed up like chucky at yeah. one point so what she's been doing it's it's fantastic i mean like it's up there with roman reigns as far as the transformation of a character that truly fits them. Yeah, the the he's here. I was like, that's that's poultry guys. Like that's like that <laughs> yeah. little girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, all right. I see you. I see. You. So yeah, no, I I love what what they're doing with that. Devin, what what were you gonna add in there? Her her evolution to the goddess twisted bliss to this female version of the fiend. Now it's it's great. That that whole. Uh, the, the playhouse when they was there the whole long mm -hmm. the, I, I, I to me it looked like a tongue you know and then uh <laughs> yeah, i don't know what it was yeah you don't know what it is yeah we, bray Wyatt, the way he responded he was like oh, oh. <laughs> right then we cut away i'm like what did that mean yeah, right. <laughs> like where are we going <laughs> what is this? right right what is this he's like he's getting all freaked out and excited so i'm like i'm trying to figure that out so her, yeah. her, you know, just the chemistry between Bray Wyatt and even, uh, even her just before she transformed, her being in the in the playhouse with Bray Wyatt, the chemistry there that works. Then when she transformed mm -hmm. into the the counterpart of the Fiend and and he's the Fiend, that works. So it's like a match made in heaven, and I'm enjoying the story. I want to see where this evolves, see this where this go, where they add more to the group. 
because uh, now Alexa Bliss is possibly going to have a story with with Nikki Cross. And I remember you teased that one uh, Hafiz in our it was the Joey Licious interview, and you mentioned that that would be great if they can turn around Nikki Cross if they can use this yeah. Alexa Bliss character and to transform her back to her. Her, her former self and she can say like i'm ready to play i'm ready to play now mm-hmm. you know and that would be great yeah. that would be great so uh yeah man that that would be great for alexa bliss you know what's interesting is that as time has gone on and as i'm watching what's going on with alexa you know because it's funny when it first started i was like ooh, i wonder if this is just kind of a swerve and we think it's alexa who's turning but really nikki cross eventually is the one that the fiend ends up taking because of her history you know with like sanity and how she was before it's like her character then kind of fits you know the fiends you know antics too but now seeing the chemistry between the fiend and alexa bliss i'm a little torn on whether or not i would want to then add in nikki cross because i'm i wonder if it would take away from the chemistry that's getting built right now between Alexa and the fiend, you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things where, all right, if you have too many, you know, characters in there, a part of this, does it start to become like, okay, now we kind of lose sight of what, what is right now making the dynamic between Alexa and the fiend work. Um, Cause yeah, as you were talking to them, I remembered saying that I was like, yeah. And I was thinking that, Alexa, you know, because she her character at that time did not fit the theme. Like the the you know uh, the goddess character is just completely different. Mm-hmm. Like how is oh, it yeah. going to go? Mm-hmm. You know, and Nikki Cross, we've seen it, but now seeing Alexa Bliss and just like how she's just taken to this character, I'm like, man, I don't know if if I even want that to happen anymore. Like I do. I loved Nikki Cross before. I loved that character. Maybe she gets there a different way. Mm-hmm. But I guess I don't know if I necessarily want that to happen with the fiend as we stand right now. You know, that's that's I guess just how my thinking has evolved on this whole thing. I feel like she needs to find herself because I don't know who Nikki Cross is right now. I really don't. You know, mm-hmm. but with Alexa, her and the fiend, that chemistry, that like almost Joker. Harley Quinn relationship that they have, you know, is kind of like, I, I'm liking where that's going, you know, like them just, they, they just, I, I like this. I like this, this pairing Nikki, we need to kind of evolve her in, in some way, how I'm not sure anymore. I'm really not. I think maybe they can, maybe Nikki can still get changed with the Alexa bliss uh, story, but they don't even need to add her. It's just part of the story, right? Like how the fiend changes people. Maybe, Mm-hmm. Lexa Bliss counterpart would change, That's a good you know, point. as well. So yeah. maybe they go that route. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I like that. Because, yeah, I mean, just thinking about the story right now, Nikki is going to feel like abandoned. You know, maybe that kind of does something to her. And she starts to, you know, you see her with like pictures of her and, and Alexa. And she's like, you know, obsessed with what their relationship was. And then she just starts to lose herself. She's ripping them up. She's talking to herself. She goes kind of nuts on her own because of just the heartbreak of having lost her best friend. Like they could kind of do it that way. Versus her joining them, so yeah, no, you, you gotta, you bring up a great point there. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how this all evolves, but it's very interesting, and it makes me want to like th- this storyline is probably the most interesting thing going on on Raw. Like on SmackDown, there's so much going on on SmackDown right now that's just so interesting. You've got the Tribal Chief storyline at the head of it, you know, and then the Sasha and Bailey storyline back and forth that near decade relationship. Now you know 
playing out over the title, you know, like that's great. I mean, it's nice for Raw to have this 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 storyline kind of helping build it, you know, just just be a featured point of the show. Um, now, another thing that's happening on Raw that's kind of interesting. We got to talk about this: uh, the Lana situation, right? So, I, I look look every time how she many comes out, how many weeks, man? How many? How, how long? I mean, I think they're going for a world record. I asked, I was like, well, is there a world record of how many consecutive weeks somebody went through the table? Like, it may have been Spike Dudley who got that record, but I was, I was very curious if oh, there is like, some type of record or something like that that they're trying to break. What is happening? Every time she shows up, Shayna, the, the funny thing about this one, too, is in the beginning, even before the match started, Shayna went right to the table, took the top of it off. Just got it all <laughs> she do. She like, knows her role now. <laughs> you know, they, that match happened. wasn't even a match. It was just a destruction. You know, Shayna or uh, Naya just mercifully puts her away, you know, just just puts her away with the small drop. They walk away. I'm like, I know this isn't over. What are y'all doing? She's there up the ramp. She looks at Shane and she's like, go get her. I'm like, oh, there you go. I'm like, Lana. Byron Saxon's like, not again. Come on, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Enough is enough. (laughs) Seventh time, I guess, that that's happened, you know, within the storyline that she's gotten put through a table. Like, what <laughs> are we are we I don't know it's kind of entertaining but at the same time I kind of feel sorry for her I don't know man I'm all over the place with this one where, I think that's what they're going for they want us to feel I sorry think, yeah, I, I literally feel yeah, I literally feel sorry for Lana like this like this is getting out of hand like it's starting to become entertaining once commentary is gonna mention all right we know what to do now let's get out the way guys come on <laughs> <laughs> That's probably where they're going. They want us to feel sorry for her so she can, you know, become a baby face and we'll cheer for her or something. So think- I don't know. It's just funny to me. Do you think that'll work, though, that that she could be successful as a baby face? I get, like, us feeling sorry for her, but Lana as a baby face, like, I don't know. Like, even after all of this, I don't know that I could mm-hmm. be like, all right, Lana, yeah, like, just, just, just rooting for Lana. Like, she, I think as a heel... Her character, even though it was annoying, it, the character worked. As a face, mm-hmm. I just I don't know if I would I would buy that. I, I I feel I genuinely do feel bad for her now, but man, I don't know. Yeah. Like, can you see that working? Not really, because I we don't know who Lana really is. I mean, after she lost the accent, she was the you know the <laughs> Russian, and she lost the accent, and you know now she became the ex-wife and everything. It's just so much that she went through and it's like not a lot of things that make sense and it's like i don't know who lana is i mean she had the period where she was wearing the dresses and things like that and you know dancing and stuff like that and so it's like we don't know who lana is except for you know someone who's trying to who was trying to be a tag team partner for natalia and now she's going through tables every week so (laughs) i don't know who she is so i I know they're going to try to do it but it's not going to really work because it's not that long ago that we had this Bobby Lashley and and her type yeah. of situation. So, you know, it's it's really going to take a lot for us to feel sorry for her after she divorced her husband to get with another guy and then she divorced him because she was getting annoyed mm-hmm. by him. Yeah, no, nah, it's just, there's a lot of work to be done there for to make her a credible face in my book. I just I'm I'm going to have a hard time with that, but, you know, I they, got a question real quick cuz yeah. something just hit me. We're talking about Lana. 
So Lana's going to be part of Survivor Series. They're trying to go this route to make us feel sorry. If she survives. If she survives. <laughs> Do you think she's going to get the Dolph Ziggler treatment before, you know, when the Dolph Ziggler was underdog in that role? No. I don't you think she'd be the lone survivor no, we're all cheering no. for her. like come on Lana come on you can do <laughs> I don't know they might try it oh, it might be man. a situation where she gets put through the table early and then oh, you yeah. know, she'll end up being the last Back. one because she's been in the table very similar oh, to what man. happened with that battle yeah. royal that could actually the table we forgot yeah we forgot about her, and then she ended up winning. Oh so goodness. I think that's what they're going to try to do, but it's not going to work because, you know, we're not going to be like, oh, come on, Lana, because there's nothing to really fight for except for her fighting for Raw, which, you know, it's not it's not making us really care. When it was Dolph Ziggler, it was about him versus the yeah. authority, so it kind of yeah. gave us a reason to, like, root yeah. for him. But when it comes to Lana, it's like, Okay, she's part. She's Team Raw. If she's the last one for Raw. Who cares? Pro- half the fans probably gonna be rooting for SmackDown yeah. anyway. So With Bianca Blair on that team already. I'm like, oh, that's right. that's the they're, one. They're done. Exactly. They're done. They're done. Just <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I. Whew, this is you know us talking about. It, it's funny, you know. Whenever we we start breaking down these these matchups, sometimes I go into it. I I don't really care as much. But us talking about it now, I'm actually interested. How are they going to use Lana in this matchup? <laughs> now I have something to actually focus on and watch. So, yeah, that's going to be real interesting. I, they, they might go that route that you said, JD. So. You know, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, they might. Yeah. They might try to do. Right. It. Nah, I it's just ain't feeling doing. like. Man, don't sit beside. All right, no, put it through. Like, get the table, get it ready. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh man! All right. So, real quick too, because again, Road to Survivor Series, we're talking about here. So. The tribal chief. We 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 got to talk about this, especially with you, JD. So, what what what's been your experience like going through? Because you you kind of mentioned it, you know, like Roman and just the over the last you know five years ago, you wouldn't have you know been here where you are at with Roman right now. So mm-hmm. you know these last couple of weeks, almost month, I guess, so of of Roman Reigns. What's this been like for you? And just I don't know, like. Just, just tell us about your experience. Because us, we we broke down in detail like the emotional experience we had watching Roman and yeah. Jay, and just 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 the the wow factor of this man Roman, the acting chops that he's showing, cried real tears, and then uh, you know activated tears, handshake, <laughs> forehead to forehead, <laughs> pulled into the guillotine. What? <laughs> you better quit. You better. I, it just it messed me up. It messed me up. So, what was that all like for you? I mean, it was very interesting when he first came back. You know, you kind of had that moment, like, "Oh gosh, he's going to go after the title again." <laughs> and so, when he was inserted into the triple threat match between him, Braun Strowman, and the Fiend, I was like, "Okay, well, we know that Roman Reigns is going to win it, and it's probably going to be Bra- Braun Strowman who gets pinned." So, when he got pinned, and then we, I, you know. We see he got the new teeth and everything like that. And he came out and, you know, he started this whole, you know, head of the table and show up and win, especially when he showed up. I forgot what the match was afterwards. It was like a, um, oh no, he showed up at the triple threat match Mm -hmm. late. And so I was like, okay, this is a little bit different. This isn't, this isn't the underdog that we're seeing here, you know? And so then he did it again. And, you know, he started with the shirts of show up and win and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, you know, I can get behind this. I was like, I think finally, you know, we're getting what we've been asking for. We just wanted 
Roman Reigns to be authentic, not this underdog and things like that. And so when he started the storyline with Jey Uso, you know, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's something different. And always said that, you know, the best storylines is what happens between friends mm-hmm. and family. Because you know each other, you know, like, what buttons to press. I mean, we've seen it with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston this yeah. past Wednesday. I mean, whoa, you know, everybody now wants to tune in to see that matchup, which you probably didn't want to we'll two weeks ago. That. We'll now, talk about that. Because, yeah, anyway. Now, because of that, you want to see the matchup. So seeing this, I was like, okay, well, this should be a good matchup because it is cousins going against each other. You know, it's something there. You know, you can start pressing buttons. And then as we get more and more closer to that match, you know, we see Roman Reigns start getting more cocky and, you know, call himself the tribal chief and everything, especially when he teamed up with Paul Heyman. I mean, that threw me for a loop. I I screamed when I saw that. I was like, finally, he's a I think heel. everybody was like, what the fuck? Like, right. we, we just couldn't exactly. believe it. <laughs> exactly. So I, I was excited about it because I was like, you know, this is something different for his character because he's been the same character for like five years. And, you know, I wanted him to be this way. When he defeated the Undertaker, I was upset about it. But he came out that next night and he said, this is my yard now. And I was like, you know what? I like that. I was like, if you defeat the Undertaker, you can't be an underdog. You can't walk around with an underdog because you beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania. I mean, 21 people tried to do it and they couldn't. But you were able to do it, you know, and you were mean the second one to do it. But you you have to have that type of cockiness about you if you did defeated the Undertaker at WrestleMania. And then when he regressed back to, you know, it's a bittersweet moment and stuff like that, I was like, oh, great. Now we're going, you know, back to the face again. So getting this now, especially um, when the way that Roman Reigns defeated him and he was like, you know, started talking crap during the show and the match and everything. I was like, whoa, I'm really liking this. And then especially when he, you know, turned to the camera, he was like, this is my camera. This is my WWE. You know, this is my ring. I was like, I was like, yo, this is, I was like, I'm officially a fan. I was like two seconds away from buying a shirt. Okay. (laughs) I was, I was like, this is very authentic. You know, it's believable. And then afterwards, you know, he started to cut the promo. Like, he was better at cutting the promo now. Because, you know, he's like, it's more believable. He believes in everything. Oh, him can't get words in no more. If you notice that. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, there's the rumors that we heard that a lot of people didn't like him, don't like him now backstage because he's kind of acting like this. And it's like, well, he's probably doing that purposely to make it more believable Mm -hmm. He's this character. I mean, look at The Undertaker, one of the greatest, the, one of the people who did the character, did character development yeah. the best. You know, he was The Undertaker 24-7, and it made us, like, especially when we were younger, it made us believe, like, this is a dead guy. Like, he can't be killed. Like, he's <laughs> no, coming for his souls and stuff like that. <laughs> he's coming for souls. And I have, a, I have a funny story about, you know, The Undertaker as well growing up. But back to Roman Reigns. You know, I was very intrigued by it. And then when it came to the Hell in a Cell match, you know, he that storyline was so the story within that ring. You know, I said that they really didn't need the Hell in a Cell because it was so emotional and storyline based mm-hmm. that it could have really been just a street fight with the I Quit match in it. They really didn't need the Hell in a Cell. And so when he like almost 
was going to smash Jay Uso's head with the stairs. I was like, whoa, like, and then he, you know, he kept beating him up. He refused to quit. And he knew just what, you know, just how to get Jay Uso by, you know, with Jimmy Uso. He was crying a real, real, uh, real tears. And he had me for a second. I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to start. Yes, yes. He got me through. I was like, oh, he's on the planes. Here we go. I was like, oh, no. I was like, well, good one. And then when he grabbed him, and when he was grabbing him, I was like, oh, man, if he put, if he starts attacking Jimmy, and then he put him in the guillotine, and I was like, oh, my goodness, like, it's amazing. My only issue was the the fact that he put him in the guillotine. I felt as though he should put him into like some type of leg submission with the you know the leg that isn't actually injured. It would have made it more convincing yeah. for Jay Uso to say I quit versus the guillotine. I was like Jimmy would just passed out if you know Jay Uso didn't quit. But if he put him in like some type of leg lock or something like that with the uh, uninjured leg, you know they could have sold it that he's trying to take him out, you know, by injuring the yeah. other leg and you know. But when Jay Uso quit, and then the next night with the emotional promo that Jay Uso said when he said "I hate you" and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I was like, "Dang, yo, you like you felt that, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you felt that." Because I was like, everybody had someone in their life that always one up them mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and it was like nothing really you can do about it because <laughs> they were older and stuff like that, and they're you know stuff like that. So it's been an emotional roller coaster for this because you know. We weren't exactly, I wasn't exactly a fan of Roman Reigns years ago, but now it's just like, he's taken us through this journey with him of the tribal chief. And it's just, the whole thing is, you know, how does Paul Heyman really play with this? You know, because eventually Brock Lesnar is going to come back. And it's like, so is Paul Heyman, he's like, you know, <laughs> I've been protecting the title for you, something like that. So that's what I'm Paul Heyman in. is not leaving tribal chief. Because Paul, the way Paul Heyman... <laughs> How he was against the advocate, I felt like he was in more control. Paul Hammond, yeah. the councilman, he's not in control. He's almost sometimes fearful, you know. For I, mm-hmm. I feel like he's even fearful for his own position as being a councilman yeah. for the tribal chief. Like he, even the way he looks at this man, he looks at Roman Reigns. Don't even yes. like that match just on SmackDown. He didn't pay now one lick against <laughs> Uso yeah. and Daniel Bryan. He was just like. Out. <laughs> I pointed that out. I said, I wish everyone find love. You know, someone to look at you the way that Paul Heyman is looking at Roman Reigns. And at first, he's looking at the title, but when he started looking directly yeah. at him, I was like, yo, Paul Heyman probably sitting there like, that's, that's the <laughs> <laughs> staring at him. So, yeah. You know, that's why I'm like, and then. And then it was one, I think it was during that Hell in a Cell. Was, I think it was actually the first match. He started yelling out, you're my tribal chief. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, who is yeah, this right. guy? I'm yes. like, this is the same guy from ECW. Right. You know? I just didn't yeah, say he's like, you're my tribal chief, staring at him like ever so lovingly. Like it's it's pretty it's interesting how it's all what's gonna happen, you know, when Brock Lesnar comes You guys are thinking about this too, and it's so crazy to say. Remember, these two, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, had that awful, awful WrestleMania matchup. <laughs> And I was so yes. annoyed. If you would have told me, oh, I, I would anticipate these two being in the ring with each other again, <laughs> I'd be like, no, you're crazy. You're nuts. But I absolutely want to see what that's what that's gonna what would happen if that happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. just what would Paul Heyman do? I mean, I could fully see 
Paul Heyman saying, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm too afraid to leave Roman Reigns. But then Brock, you're, you're okay leaving Brock? I mean, he can't win. Yeah. So I think, and if we if we was to do that story, I think Brock is is the face in this role, trying to help his friend, mm-hmm. you know, Paul Heyman to get out of the to get to stop being, you know, help to get out of that position because he, he's forced now he's forced yeah. in there now, yeah. you know, he got himself, you know, <laughs> tagged up with, hugged up with Roman. Oh, not, not Roman Reigns, Tribal Chief. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Tribal <laughs> Chief, Tribal <laughs> Chief. Let me get that in my vocabulary now. Tribal Chief now. <laughs> so once he got tagged yeah, up with Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns, it's like he, I, I don't know. I, I felt like now, is he in over his head now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, I don't think. It's like blink twice, Paul Heyman, if you're in the game. something. Right. Say something stupid, Paul. <laughs> oh man, it's crazy! It's crazy. So this is where we're at, you know. In in 2020, they they figured it out. Roman Reigns is just so interesting and a, and a must watch, must see wrestler. He's not stale anymore. You know, he's fun to watch. And then we're actually anticipating what would happen with Brock Lesnar returns, and for these two to kind of have a storyline with Paul Heyman in the middle. It's just crazy. It's just crazy to me. Um, yeah. yeah, just, just, wow. I mean, so, okay. So speaking of, of Roman Reigns right now, the matchup, you know, the, the big matchup, I guess you would say would be Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton. All right. So are we, how do we feel about that? Or do we want that to change real quick and go over to Drew McIntyre? Because a lot of people I talked to, that was the matchup that they really wanted to see Drew versus Roman, which is also funny because we did get that at a WrestleMania as well. And, you know, it wasn't that great. It was bullshit. It was bullshit. Right. You know, so I, we talked about that at length on this, <laughs> on this podcast for sure. Um, but yeah, just just do you think, I don't know, like how do you feel about the Roman versus Randy or do you think it should be switched up to Drew real quick? Like what, where are you guys at with that? Well, maybe, I, I don't know, because it's like Roman Reigns would have to win that matchup. And I feel as though Randy Orton can take that loss. Mm-hmm more than Drew McIntyre. Because right now, Drew McIntyre was so dominant during his title reign that, you know, it took Randy Orton twice, you know, to take the title, a couple of times to take the title off of him. So even though I would like to see the matchup between um, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, I feel as though that dynamic would be a lot better. I think that type of matchup is something that should happen in front of the fans. Because you'll have that, the fans will definitely be divided because, you know, the fans were definitely behind Drew McIntyre 100%. And then you have the fans who are a fan of Roman Reigns that he is now. So I feel as though you'll get the double mm-hmm. cheers and things like that. And the storyline that they'll develop out of that is something that I feel as though can be drawn out a lot further than this, you know, once, you know, just one, this one time matchup. And then that's it. I think, you know, Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns kind of works better for the Survivor Series than. Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. I feel as though the storyline could really be a lot developed and a few could be, you know, going a lot longer with them two versus um, Roman Reigns and Randy Orton. I was actually looking forward to the match for uh, Drew McIntyre, Drew Epic McIntyre going against Tribal Chief uh, because I even they kind of booked themselves in the corner and then, you know, Roman can't lose, but I could see him win mm-hmm. in a hillish way. We already seen it a couple times. 
you know, with that slick low blow. Now that's like one of the slickest blow, low blows ever seen. You know, you get you're in a pin position and one, two, huah, right in there. So I think yeah. we can see something like that. It will be an awesome match, powerhouse match, and uh, and you will understand how Drew lost. You know, and it will be it. You know, it wouldn't be clean, but you'll see how you know. This how this is the new Roman Reigns. He he will win by any means necessary, and I think that can work mm-hmm. for a Survivor Series build. You got two of these locker room leaders. Maybe they can use some of that, you know, as a as a story to develop uh, some type of feud between each other. Like who's the better leader, or you know, do some shoot promos with each other. Because I know from behind the scenes, uh, Drew he does his own promos. Like he has to. The authority mm-hmm. he has the chops now to pull his own promos now so i would love to see the just to see how the banter between the two as well yeah um gosh you know with with this i, I feel like randy orton it makes a lot of sense given you know what what you guys are both talking about but specifically you jd with we we know roman reigns is, is going to win this matchup so you know randy orton losing i mean i get what you're saying Devin, about you know he could win in a heelish way but I, I just feel like it, there's so many things that they're building up, even with like the Fiend now kind of getting into the head of, of Randy Orton and that history that they have. You know, I, I feel like that's going to play a part into that matchup as well. And there's just so many outs for them with Randy Orton to say this is why, you know, he lost. Either, hey, it's Roman Reigns and yeah, it, it'd be fine. He does it. A loss to Roman Reigns clean wouldn't be bad, too. But they also they could also protect. Randy a little bit by saying he's he gets distracted by the lights or something by the fiend during that matchup as much as I would love to see a clean finish I feel like we're not gonna get a clean finish in that matchup um it's just the way these things you know um so overall like you know I I I I want to see eventually Roman and Drew especially with where they are at right now because it's it's in such contrast to where they were at that WrestleMania matchup so I think now having Drew this this like really cool face character, you know, in somewhat in a way, and I don't know, maybe this is too high a praise, but like that Stone Cold uh, model of, 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 a, of a face, you know, champion, you know, where he's just kind of like this badass, but still a face, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not really changing anything about how he wrestles. He's still like, you know, you know, fight for me and, you know, like talking to people, you know, as he's, as he's fighting, like he still has that, you know, and see that character go against, the tribal chief and, and all his banter during the matches, like those two going back and forth in ring. I, I absolutely want to see that. Maybe one of them jumps over from one shoulder to the other so that they can finally you know, have a feud like that. But um, yeah, I think for this Randy Orton being in there, I get it. Even though it's kind of disappointing not to get that drew match. I do get it. Um, all right, let's, let's table the WWE side a little bit. Let's, let's jump over to NXT, show them a little bit of love here. Um, they had an interesting show as well coming off of Halloween Havoc, which, J.D., by the way, what, what was your thoughts in general on Halloween Havoc before we start talking about this week's episode of NXT? I think it was very good. It's one of the I feel as though with the Halloween Havoc, it was one of the best NXT live shows that they had in a while, because um, for a while, it seems like we were getting the same matches over and over again. Um, you know, with Drake Maverick in there, and then, you know, with Kushida, and then Legato Del Fantasma, and Swerve, and everything. It was, like, a lot of the same things that we were getting over and over again. And, you know, with this matchup, especially with Shotzi being yeah. host, I mean, there's a lot of new fans 
Shotzi Blackheart I'm, now. I'm like, never and, want to be in a you know, now. with a lot the matches that they had, it was a pretty good. It was a pretty good show. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about it at length here, so you know the listeners know how we feel about that. And Shotzi definitely was basically the MVP of that that episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, one thing, Devin, that you brought up that JD, I just I'll ask you about that one last thing before we move on. Um, it being a live show versus a pay-per-view. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you think they maybe missed a little bit of an opportunity? Because that was our take, was that they missed a little bit of an opportunity. You know, you got commercials. Um, did that kind of, did you have that feeling while you're watching? Like, ooh, this should have been a pay-per-view. Or did you just enjoy it for what it was? Well, I think NXT, they're good enough that they can do something like this. Because with their takeovers, their takeovers are so good that, you know, they really didn't need to have a type of special um, for Halloween Havoc, that they could definitely have done it as a weekly show. Even with the commercials and everything, the show was good enough that you stuck around with the commercials. I mean, you even stuck around the fact that AEW Dynamite was going on. Mm-hmm. And so I felt as though they really didn't need, it didn't need to be a, uh, a pay-per-view or a network special because takeovers, they've been, they've been pretty much fantastic. I mean, there hasn't really been, I mean, it's rare that they put on a bad, you know, takeover show. Whereas though with NXT Live, they definitely needed, you know, some type of oomph, something to really to keep them going. And like I always said, with the ratings and everything between them and AEW, I feel as though both companies lose because we're in the middle of a pandemic, (laughs) you know, there were no sports going on. There was nowhere for us to go, and they really weren't pull. They couldn't pull, you know, a million yeah. viewers on a given night. So, but even though with that NXT was kind of falling behind AEW Dynamite, and I felt as though because AEW Dynamite kind of offered, th- you know, different things. They had, you know, different tournaments, different matchups that, you know, is little. Every week is it was something kind of different. Whereas though NXT, they had a lot of the same feuds and the matches, you know going one week from the next and it felt like you weren't really missing anything you know you could catch it later on or you can just watch the highlights on youtube or something like that so i felt as though they really didn't need to make this into an event um i think the fact that they made it like a tv special it kind of made nxt live felt Mm -hmm. different i think that's a good point because i think the halloween havoc even before Halloween havoc you know they was in this this routine of of the same matches and to keep it real with y'all i was watching AEW dynamite for the last three four weeks before halloween havoc first because it started to become mm-hmm. like all right this is the same old same old so you know what i could watch AEW first it's a more fresher show they're outside the venue's different aesthetically it's just you know it feels like it's a bigger production they got you know the the fan the live fans there as well even though nxt has fans there but you can, they got him out there in the venue in the seats, you know, singing along to Chris, Chris Jericho music. So it's just a different mm-hmm. atmosphere of of the show. For me, mm-hmm. it's so funny because, so I watch AEW first, but not for the reason that you just said. 
So my mentality, <laughs> my mentality for what I, I'm, I'm a huge NXT fan. I, it's, it's still my favorite show. Even with everything going on, I just still, I don't know. They, they got me. I'm a loyalist. I don't, they can, they can have a, a shitty week. I don't know. I'm still like NXT, NXT. Like they, they just got me. So when I watch AEW for every, every week, cause I DVR everything, you know, I'm at work, so, you know, and at night sometimes, so I can't watch it live. So I'm DVRing everything. And, Usually I pick AEW first only because in my mind I'm saving the best for last, quote unquote. So that's the way that I look at it. It's like, <laughs> all right, I'll build up into the one. I'm, and truth be told, there are episodes where I'm like, man, this episode of AEW killed it versus, you know, Dynamite versus NXT. Mm-hmm. Like that happens. But there's still that part of me that's like, oh, but I just I just love what they do with NXT. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting how we're all <laughs> like looking at this. Um, and now also to um, something you mentioned, J.D., is that rarely do, does NXT have a bad takeover, which, you know, we definitely agree with as well. But one moment that on this show we considered kind of a questionable moment oh, yeah. in takeover history was the Pat McAfee situation with Adam Cole. Which kind of leads <laughs> us into this episode of NXT. So, but but again, this is something to get your take on. So, you know, Devin and I had this thought going into that match, Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee, that when Adam Cole said, <laughs> Pat McAfee, I'm going to make you my bitch, that he was going mm-hmm. to dominate Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee's coming <laughs> off of like, what, three weeks of training? Was it, Devin? Two, was weeks, that the, two, two weeks. weeks. I remember. Two, two weeks. weeks two weeks. Okay. Days, two weeks, two weeks of preparation. <laughs> and to go against the longest reigning NXT champion of all time, <laughs> trying to call himself the greatest, you know, NXT champion ever. And he's, you know, going mm-hmm. against Pat McAfee, you know, a, a celebrity. Yeah, it's a kicker, you know, and he's an athlete. But, and then he goes out there and he, just barely, barely beats Pat McAfee. We had a strong reaction on the show to that, to say the least. I, I listen, remember okay, that. Okay. So, I listened to it. I remember the strong oh, reaction. So, so where where do you stand on that? Because I'm I'm definitely curious on that. Well, I was looking at it. I was looking at it from a different point of view. I was looking at it as a celebrity coming in, and you know. Whenever celebrities come in to try to wrestle a match, nine times out of ten, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you, there's Tyson Fury for once. I mean, oh you could clearly yes. see he's not yeah. bunching. You know, it felt like a joke to him. It felt like a check off the bucket list. So when I saw Pat McAfee, I kind of appreciated that he actually like really tried to, and he like really put himself out there. You know, doing these moves and everything like that, and taking these crazy bumps and. I was shocked about that. I was like, I can't believe that, you know, he's actually yeah. trying. Like, he, you know, he really doesn't need to really wrestle. You know, he has enough money. He has enough things going on. And he's like really coming in and wrestling like, you know, he's trying to get yeah. a contract. And so I was shocked about that. And so once that kind of came down, I was like, you know, he really did kind of take <laughs> it to Adam Cole, you know, so... I was I was like, yeah, he kind of takes Adam Cole. Because when I, when I was talking on my podcast, I was talking about how shocked I was at how good he was in the ring that I completely, you know, <laughs> didn't even think about the fact that he kind of took the toe to Adam Cole. So when I listened to y'all podcast, I was like, darn, I he wasn't even thinking about that. Because I was in such of a shock that a celebrity comes in and, like, really yeah. put in the work. And I'm just how shocked at how good of a heel he was, you know, 
how much of a, you know, how good he is on the mic because I watched football and I was like, if you had told me the little kicker <laughs> from the Colts was going to turn into this, I wouldn't have believed you. So when he, like, and I thought about, you know, back at WrestleMania 11 when we had Lawrence Taylor and we had the football players. So I was sitting there like, you know, he's going to try, but we're going to, but you know, he, we're, he's not going to put yeah. on a good show. So when I was, you know, watching, I, when I was watching the match, that's what was going through my mind. Like, yo, he's really trying. He's doing these moves. He actually practiced. It felt like he practiced yeah. for a while. One, three you weeks know, or two weeks. He was doing these moves <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like he was doing them correctly and everything. So, yeah, the fact that he took it toe to toe with Adam Cole, you know, I tried to like rationalize it because I was like, you know, maybe it's very similar to the new quarterback, you know, the new quarterback coming in and you're not really sure how to, you know, what the game plan is going to be. So you kind of get yeah. shocked by it. So I felt as though maybe it was a shock factor to Adam Cole. You know, he kind of took it as, you know, someone who don't even know how to wrestle, you know, I'm just going to do, I felt as though maybe Adam Cole didn't put a hundred percent. That's what my <laughs> rational thinking was going. Like he didn't put a hundred percent. If someone, you know, claims they only had two yes, weeks of training, yes. you know, you know, and I felt as though that maybe, Pat McAfee kind of trolled with that. That he yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> that he he's lying. He's like, come on, talk. man. So I felt as though maybe Adam Cole was like, all right, I'm not even going to put 25 percent into this. And so when he, you know, got taken back by, you know, Pat McAfee, he was like, whoa, you know, yeah, you know, kind of like took him back, but he eventually won. But yeah, it's just like the fact that he stood toe to toe. With Adam Cole, I was trying to think of all the reasonings that it could have happened. This is you know? wonderful. You know, this is wonderful. Oh, man. Because what everything you just said, JD, I fully expected when this match happened. I thought Devin was going to say this because Devin is a huge Adam Cole fan, and you know we got on here and and Devin, you you just kind of were like, I'm out, I'm done, <laughs> and you couldn't see the rationale, you couldn't make up any man. excuses. There was no and like. The logic wasn't there for me because I was just the story. The story was that he had two weeks. You know, if you want to troll me, okay. But it it seems like within story, within kayfabe, he he was he was being legit about having two weeks of training. So Adam Coach Bevin can't handle him easily. But but then you could say, I mean, and and again, JD just made a great point. Like maybe he just thought, you know what? I don't need to to take this guy seriously. It's not going to take much. Oh, wait. Wow. This guy actually, no, he's been lying. It's not two weeks. This dude's been training for a while and caught him off guard. You know, like I could see that. Like that to me, you know, it's, it's something that I wish that they would kind of play that into that a little bit more. That you know, okay, this mm-hmm. guy, you know, he's full of shit. Like, no, he's definitely been training, and then he has this kind of smirk, like, oh yeah, well, I got you, kind of like, uh, I don't know how they would have done it, but I do think that that makes it easier to accept that man, yeah. this the longest reigning champion in NXT history is struggling with the kicker <laughs> from the Colts. Yeah, <laughs> I think they mentioned somewhere that Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin know oh, yeah. each other. Yeah. Yep. I, I think they, they mentioned did. it like offhand. I was like, okay, there's no. it. There there's it the connection right there. I was right like, there. well, Pat McAfee isn't going. Yeah, I was like, Pat McAfee isn't going to admit that he right. has help training. Like the type of per, the type of heel right. he's playing. You know, he's calling us the IWC and he's like, you know, straight talking mm-hmm. crap about us. So I was like, okay, 
if I was in his position, I'd say, yeah, I had two weeks of training. You know, I yeah, watched right, right. Weeks, you know? So, <laughs> so when they said it was Baron Corbin, they knew each yeah, other. I was like, okay, so, you know, he's been training yeah. for a very long time. He's right. just not going to admit it. Adam Cole should have came out the following week then and just said, <laughs> you caught me by surprise because I you know what, God damn it, you had more than two weeks of training. I right. know you did. Right. You know, he could have mentioned about the connection with Baron Corbin or something like that. And and then yeah, maybe he would he would have came out like, you know, you caught me. Yeah, I had more than a couple more weeks of training. Something like that. And then it would have been easy for me to digest that. I wouldn't have came out here ranting about having a therapeutic <laughs> session about Adam Cole going toe-to-toe. Damn near had a close, close three count from Pat McAfee, man. Yep, 2.9 count basically. It was it was right there. Seconds. It was it was right there. It was right there. Yeah, it was, was like, very close. Just, just bug-eyed, man. I couldn't believe it. I was It was very close. Really? Oh, man. Adam Cole? He's supposed to be he's supposed to be your yeah. bitch. This is not happening. Are you back now though? Let's let's I I got to do these kind of like check-ins with you. Are you are you fully oh, yeah, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm fully back. I'm fully back. I'm fully back. I see. No, 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 no. It's just, it's just sometimes, you know, when we go back down <laughs> in history, it, it re- I could just have that emotion and just recapture the emotion again. You know, we have this every time we talk about Adam Cohen and Jarnett Gano, it, it's like a trigger for me. Like, I could just. <laughs> Felt like he was about to yeah, go Jay yeah. on us, right? <laughs> I understand now. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Man. But I, I am I'm all for Adam Cole. I want him to get his revenge. I know this is all building for war games for Daisy Dukes, Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. That is his new nickname now, coming out with them Daisy Dukes. Them black-ass Daisy Dukes. Those are not a 10-inch seam, sir. That's the 8-inch. Those are Daisy Dukes, sir. Once you go under 10 inches, 8-inch seam, oh, that's Daisy Dukes, sir. That's Daisy Duke territory. Wow, mm-hmm. going Luke on the look at Pat McAfee with the Daisy Duke suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hey man, that's hilarious. But so, so what do we think of? First of all, I guess they have a name somewhat. The Kings of NXT is what they're calling themselves. <laughs> Didn't really put much thought into that. I'm sure they're just like, you know, what we're just gonna be the Kings yeah. of NXT. Um, and you know, they they ran roughshod on NXT this week. Um, Killian Dane, Drake Maverick kind of got it. And then they had their promo, uh, Pete Dunn. Now I like this about it. They, they took it back mm-hmm. to when Roddy yes. turned on Pete Dunn and for the tag team powers, I was like, Oh, yeah. you know what? I can't argue that. That that's, that's never storytelling. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So for me, even yeah. though technically Pete Dunn is a heel in this, it's hard for me to have a problem with what he's saying. What he's saying is factual. It's like, you know, for, for, for me and Devin, we like to go back and forth on, you know, Johnny Gargano and Johnny Gargano Ciampa, for instance, even though Johnny was technically the heel at the end of that story, I was still like, but with Ciampa, Ciampa's the villain. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. You cannot <laughs> convince me that Ciampa is not the villain in that story when it becomes when it comes to those two because of their history. This man spit on his wedding ring, took the wedding ring off of Johnny Gargano's finger. I was there at that show, spit on it, and threw it off <laughs> into the crowd. I said, no, nah, you can't. No, nah, I'm never forgiving that. And he never apologized. <laughs> never. I don't care what you do. You brought this on yourself, Ciampa. So, you know, taking that back to this. We've got, yeah, I mean, Undisputed Era, when it comes to Pete Dunne, they had this coming. Like, they, 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 the group, you know, the, the, the betrayal that Pete Dunne felt 
it's never been satisfied. He's still pissed off about that. I love that part of the story and the way that they brought that in. Um, you know, Oni Lorcan, Danny Perch, you know, kind of being always disrespected. You guys will never be anything. You'll never mm-hmm. be tag team champions. Like, yeah, like they're so talented. They've been what they say, like over 18 years in the game, something like that. Like it just they've been in the game forever. And, you know, to to have been told that and to finally find a way to get those titles. It's like, yeah, OK, they're gonna, they have a chip on their shoulder and they want to show undisputed like, no, nah, man, this is our time now. So I feel like. I'm buying into the way that they're telling the story. Now, the Pat McAfee part, it's still going to be kind of hard to fully get into that. Devin's already shaking his head. But I think they got to sell me on that. I think I think there are pieces there like those three, those three outside of Pat McAfee, those three guys right there. Pete Dunn, Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch. They they are starting to get me invested in, hey, I want to see this War Games matchup. Um, JD, where where do you stand on that? I mean, it's basically the enemy of my enemy mm-hmm. is my friend. So that's how I kind of figure, you know, how they would join someone like Pat McAfee. And it's kind of like the Bret Hart Austin thing all over again because the Undisputed Era was heels mm-hmm. for so long, and now they're getting their their people are getting yeah. revenge on them. And it's kind of like you, you kind of feel sorry for them. And it's like, well, you, they had it coming because all the things right. that they've been doing. And it's like, but then you got Pat McAfee who's taking full advantage of it. And that's a, I, I was cracking up when he was explaining his revenge that he, I mean, the what he was doing with um, Adam Cole and the other Undisputed Era members that he was getting people who's yeah. been wronged by them and, you know, coming up to them and saying, hey, you want to make some money? You know, you can attack yeah. Adam Cole and this, that, and the third. I was cracking up when he was making that promo. But yeah, it's just a very interesting storyline that, you know, we haven't really seen in a very long time that, you know, someone, a heelish faction has been doing, you know, doing so much to everyone over the course of the years to, you know, you kind of, you kind of forgot about it. When Pete Dunne showed up, I completely forgot that, you know, everything that was going on between him and Undisputed Era because, and it's Vieira kind of been faces mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, with to us. So when Pete Dunn turned and I was like, whoa, and I was like, wait, you know, then he was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and Vieira did so much <laughs> against Pete Dunn over the years. So it's a very interesting dynamic, you know, something that hasn't been done in a pretty while that, you know, you have a heel taking advantage of something that another heel did. And it's like, well, who's the face here? You know, because you have Pat McAfee, you know, his thing could have been, I've been seeing the Unspeeded Era do this to all these wrestlers over the years. And that's, you know, my hatred towards Adam Cole this whole time. So it's a very interesting dynamic because now the healers faction are kind of faces, but they're not faces because people are getting revenge on them for things it's like the bully you know the -hmm. bully's getting their revenge but now they're a good you know they've been redeemed they're no longer bullying people so it's like you kind of feel bad but he's like well you kind of have it coming so it's a very interesting dynamic that they have uh going on right here (sighs) all right so (laughs) take a breath this this is gonna be a struggle oh man but (laughs) (laughs) all right I'm fine with Danny Birch, Orny Lorkin, and Pete Dunn. Fine with that. Fine with those three. All right. Daisy Dukes, Pat McAfee. Nah. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I cannot 
do it. Maybe this is why this maybe this is why he he's a good heel because I don't like him. Mm-hmm. I, I hate him. This is mm-hmm. he's I, I just I don't want him even part of the story. You know, I, I'm I hate that nasally cadence. I hate his promos. His promos are long-winded. Get this guy out of here. That promo was like two minutes way over what he was supposed to be saying. He had this long-winded promo talking about I'm gonna honor undisputed. And then he kind of backtracked, like, no, nah, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna honor them. I'm be democratic about it. And yeah, we'll, yeah, let's we'll, take we'll up for a vote. What, what do you guys yeah. say? Yeah. Say hi. And then P Dunn ain't saying shit. He's just saying I'm gonna do me. He's just doing me, you know? Like, that's what I can respect. At least he's not following orders. I thought he would, like, fall in line and, you right. know, call, call Pat right. McAfee as tribal chief. You are my tribal chief or some shit like that. You know, I was, I was like, hopefully that's not going to happen. But, yeah, I, I'm down with the Kings minus Pat McAfee edition. Uh, what would it take for you to <laughs> accept the Pat McAfee, you know, part of this? Like, what would it take? Adam Cole getting his revenge at war games and destroying him and being him, leaving him in his bloody piss, you know, and then I'll be satisfied. You know what? I, I'm cool with, with Daisy Dukes, Pat McAfee. You know, I will remove Daisy Dukes, Pat McAfee. Nigga, and I will remove that. I will go that far to remove it. If I can see that, uh, all is forgiven. But okay. What if I'm going to throw this out there though, let's we're at war Don't. games. Don't do this. The match either. is mm-hmm. incredible. Pat McAfee goes out there, and you see he's even better than he was the last time, and he's pulling moves. We're like, Pat McAfee just did what? Like, you mean to tell me that if this man goes out there and just looks amazing in the ring with the likes of Pete Dunn and Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch, that you won't look at him and say, you know what? Damn, this guy, like, he's credible. Like, he's a real threat, and he. Like, maybe there needs to be more respect. Like, the first time around, because we had no idea, we're like, oh, no, this is ridiculous. But now he's been in there with him, with Adam Cole, and he has – now he's with Pete Dunn. He's learning from Pete Dunn. He's learning from Danny Birch. He's learning from Oni Larkin. These guys are, like, <laughs> the cream of the crop of wrestling. The years and years of knowledge of wrestling that they're going to impart onto this man – Dude, and then by the way, Baron Corbin's his boy. Like, just I'm sorry, man. At a certain point, we may have to look at, especially if this man goes out there and puts in work. How can mm-hmm. we? How can we continue to say, "Oh, Pat McAfee, he should just get destroyed by Adam Cole"? I am not expecting him to get destroyed at all in this matchup. If it didn't happen already the first time, and now this man's going to have more experience and has backup like this, mm-hmm. nah, it's nah. You're not going to get your wish. There's no way. So you're you're speaking in theory right now. So I'm going to stick with my. I'm going to stick with the same comment unless I see something different. Okay, because okay, you know okay. I, I can switch it up. I can switch it up. I'm man enough to say, hey, I made a mistake. That's on yeah, me. Yeah. I take this L. But until then, I'm sticking with the same statement. I I I predict <laughs> that at War Games, Pat McAfee is gonna. I think you're gonna have a little bit of change of heart. You're gonna because. The, the style of matchup this is going to be, too, you know, you're going to introduce the, like, the, mm-hmm. the weapons and, you know, you're going to – it's anything goes. is in a cage. They could be creative. If Pat McAfee goes out there and is creative and is using all this, and, again, in this team atmosphere, it just – it even makes more sense that Pat McAfee will be competitive in this situation. I feel like it, it's going to be real hard for you to just stick with this energy 
after war games. I just, I just nah, have a feeling. Nah, because I, I can, I can, I have this feeling like you ever you you watch Step Brothers, right? Yeah. And then it's towards the end. It's like, uh, what's the actor's name? Rob? Is it Rob Wiggle? Is that the guy, the comedian, actor? He'd be oh, on um, Fox, something like that. Sounds but like anyway, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Talking about. It was this one scene. He, he's talking to Will Ferrell. He's like, something about your face. I don't know what it is. I just want to punch you. I don't know what it is, man. He's like, can, like, can I do anything? He's like, nah, man. You can't do anything. It's just, I, that's the same feeling I have about Daisy Duke's Pat McAfee. Oh, like, man. The energy I get from him, I don't like it. It doesn't right. vibe with mine. Right. His, like I said, his his performance, the the cadence, that annoying voice he has, his his antics. I am not down. It doesn't mix with me, man. It's like yeah. oil and water. We do not mix, sir. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, he's doing his he job. Is, I yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't he's like the heel. Yeah, he's doing his I don't job. Like him. He's getting under your skin. <laughs> you hate him. That's that's his, yeah. <laughs> Man, oh, again, I, I mean, I was already excited about War Games, but now I can't wait to get back on here and get your reaction to War Games. Let's just have War Games happen now so we can get back on here and find out what Devin thinks. Oh, man. <laughs>